Welcome to Nevertheless, She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to another episode. As I will introduce in a few minutes, this week is part two with Daisy. So we dive into all things therapeutic boarding school, as you can tell from the title. So in this episode, I think I say a couple times that I wouldn't change anything with my mental health and treatment experience, and I have had some changes of heart since then. I'm not going to lie, this week has been pretty rough. I watched the Paris Hilton documentary as we dive into. We recorded this episode together, and a lot came up for me. Like, I really had not processed my boarding school experience and what that was like for me. Honestly, since I came home, which was over a year ago, I, I've thought about it at different moments and I kind of had an awareness that that was like really truly the worst year of my life, but I hadn't really dove into that at all. So this week, definitely the recording of this episode, I had a therapy session about it, like it just brought up a lot. So I wanted to kind of come in here and make a little bit of a disclaimer that I I do say that I wouldn't change my boarding school experience since then. I, I've kind of had a change of heart about that. Um, I'm kind of in the headspace at the moment. I'm not going to say that this will be the case forever, but right now I'm really in the headspace where I'm like, I wish that didn't happen. And then additionally, I also want to give a trigger warning for anyone who has struggled with eating disorder type of stuff, sexual assault, and I think that's the bulk of it. Those two things do come up in this episode. But other than that, this episode is hilarious. I literally cried. I was laughing so hard during this episode when we were recording, and it's a long one, but it's so, so good. So I hope you guys enjoy, and without further ado, let's get into it. Alrighty, everyone, welcome back to another episode of She Persisted. We are back, baby. Guess who this week's guest is? Daisy Bird Graham Part 2. As highly requested. I don't think I've ever had an episode this highly requested. Everyone has been DMing me. By everyone, I mean the people I know. I don't have strangers asking me for this. But everyone I know has been wanting her to come back and for us to spill the details. So... This week, we are going to be diving deep into our therapeutic boarding school, what it was like, the pros, the cons, the traumatic, all of that. We've made a comprehensive list of everything we want to cover because we both know we'll get extremely off topic. And so Daisy wanted to first start with our first off topic subject, the Enneagram. Hit it. Enneagram. Okay. So I'm. can we talk about the cupcakes? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's, it's, I, I, I want to introduce it though. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Go. <laughs> y'all, Sadie did the sweetest thing. So she texted me like last week and she was like, there's a package coming for you on Tuesday. You need to be ready to go. You need to like be sitting there waiting at the door for this package to come. Harass and PS man, please. Yeah. And so I get the email and I go up to the front desk of my dorm and I was like, I need a package. Sadie's on the FaceTime with me. And she sent me gourmet cupcake. <laughs> From New York, they're like tie dye and like pink. Oh my gosh, I was dying. I gave them to everybody in my hall. Everybody it was, was so like, funny. She got them before she even tried them. I could see her on Facebook, Facebook, Facetime, running up and down the hall saying, "Do you try this one? I recommend extreme tie dye." She hadn't tried a single cupcake, but she was recommending. 
and she was giving one to everyone it was and so like that's my love language is words of affirmation which is why i was like you need to be on the phone with me i need to see it because yeah. like that's what makes yeah. me feel so good and see it my love so language is gifts it was gifts is my love language so we were both like just love languaging it out like. it was it was epic okay let's let's hit the enneagram i want to hear about it for sure. Okay. So the Enneagram is like a personality test. And mm-hmm. Sadie took it today when I told her that I want to talk about on the podcast. And we're both. <laughs> so the three is the achiever. And the achiever's biggest fear is to is being worthless and like being unloved and unknown. And it's something that I just I want to talk about because it was this past weekend, I actually spent some time with this family that was really close to my family in Union City beforehand. And they live in Chattanooga and I went to go see them and it was the weirdest thing. So my entire life I've been like going to camps and I've been going to like boarding school and I've been, I moved out at 15 to do horse riding and I never once did I feel homesick. I can never, not, yeah. not once was I ever like, oh, like I wish I would rather be at home. Y'all, mm-hmm. I spent like one weekend with these people and I was homesick from those people they're not even really my family but i was homesick from these people i'm not even kidding i get back home and i'm like i would just rather be in chattanooga with the lungs right now than at college and it's one of those things that comes back to the enneagram because i oftentimes feel like at my home in union city i am i am un i am judged and my worth is based on what i'm achieving my worth is based on what i'm doing and how good i am and it was just the strangest thing because they constantly just told me how proud they were of me and how they were so glad that I was there and how much they loved me. And it's that kind of, I never get that at home. I never get somebody just saying, we're really glad that we're here and we love you. And so it just made such a big difference. And that's why I want to talk about it just in the beginning about the Enneagram was that it's just, I, it was so fulfilling for me to have two adults. It's Peter and Courtney. I don't think they'd mind. Peter and Courtney Lund (laughs) told me, they were like, we love you and like, we get it. We know Union City and like, we know how hard it is and, and we just love you and we're proud of you. And just hearing that, and like, listen to the I don't hear that enough. And as a three, that was the best thing that anybody could have told me because Aww. threes base their worth and how good they are and how much they're performing and how well they were behaving. And I didn't have to perform for them because to them, my worth was already at its peak. Also, she's yeah. definitely listening to this. So, hey, Courtney. Hi, Courtney. <laughs> um. No, and I love that in her name, but there's been someone that I've been like interacting with recently and her biggest thing is that you are worthy. You are innately worthy just because mm-hmm. you're born. Exactly. You're a perfect human by being. And yes, we all make mistakes and go in and out of relationships and have different paths and different obstacles, but you're perfect in that journey. Mm-hmm. And like that is so profound because especially I think for you and I, that hasn't always been a constant message in our Mm -mm. life. And it leads to a lot of negative self-talk and so many different issues that can present. But it's exactly I cannot wait until the day when I get to raise kids and be like, you're just perfect and lovely and worthy because you are you. Right. Because for chill thinking about that. Growing up, I would get hugged and people would tell me they loved me after I won a horse show. People would tell me they're so proud of me after I won class president. People would say, Mm -hmm. Oh, we love you so much. Like we're so proud of you. You are like a true gram after I did something. So then in my brain it was associated with love only comes whenever you earn it. Mm -hmm. And not that love just comes. And so I think it's what one thing that I'm so thankful when I see how Courtney and Peter raise our children is that they truly raise them like just 
we love you just because, just because you were you, we love you. Like we loved you without you having to do anything about it. Like you can't change the fact that we love you. Totally, totally. And I think that was a big shift my parents started to make once they learned I had that horrible belief that I didn't deserve love from them or from anyone was that every single time I would talk to my dad, he would be like, Sadie, you are loved. Mm -hmm. And so it's not something you can't recover from. It's definitely a shift parents can make and start changing that language. You get off a bad call and it's like, you're loved even though this just happened. Right. Instead of, okay, love you, bye. Instead of, I love you so much, this was an amazing talk. Exactly. And so it's such an easy shift to make and it's very, easy very workable. But, mm-hmm. Because all it takes Definitely. is just is being intentional. Like every night before bed, hey, I love you and I'm proud of you just because. Yeah. Oh my God, I love it. I can't wait for us to be parents. It's going to be so oh, yeah. good. Okay. boarding school boarding school you guys are not ready like you don't understand how much we wrote down so we first wanted to start we both watched the paris hilton documentary oh wait 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 wait. can i say something really yeah paris hilton first of all i've always loved paris hilton paris hilton is my background right now i love paris hilton because i i really think that the whole like blonde ditz rich girl thing has been such like an overplayed thing. I think that's so important that she was taking it back and being like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm allowed to be this way. Like mm-hmm. I can, it doesn't mean, it's not a measure of my intelligence and my actual book smarts. If I say things like that's hot and I like, like pink cars and I like pink dresses and I like glitter, totally. that is no, that does not have any correlation at all. Yeah my intelligence because I like mm-hmm. pink cars and I like mini dresses and I like dogs and purses and I like <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I'm not intelligent totally totally no and so if you haven't watched the documentary highly recommend you go watch it literally right now after this podcast actually oh. maybe even watch it before because it's just so crazy interesting but Paris Hilton when she was in her teenage years she was lived in New York and she kind of rebelled in a sense she was out partying she went to clubs she wasn't listening to the rules her parents had put in place and they started sending her to these programs part wilderness, part, what do they call them? Emotional healing schools, therapeutic boarding schools, treatment centers for adolescents. And she experienced immense trauma. She went through something we might've touched on last episode. Well, because hers especially was in the early years of it. Mm -hmm. And the early years of the whole therapeutic treatment business. Now there is, there's not enough regulation now, me and Sadie Mm -hmm. both agree, but back then there was none. Anybody could open one up and say, mm-hmm. this is a therapeutic boarding school, or this is Send a- your kids here, yeah. And so it just, because of the lack of research that her parents did, it put her mm-hmm. in the position to where she, it was easy for her to get taken advantage of. Yeah, and so, and we'll talk about how it's still hard for parents to get a full perception of what a therapeutic boarding school is like because of how they set this up. But she went through something that many of our friends have experienced, and I don't, like when I say friends, I mean people I've met through treatment, people maybe I didn't get along with completely different walks of life. Some people I'm super close to, but there's something called now teenagers refer to it as gooning. And it's a professional kidnapping service. I don't know if or maybe it's a professional transportation service, but these two big men come to your house in the middle of the night and your parents hire them and they transport you to your treatment center. And the reason that they're required is because unlike Daisy or unlike me, these girls are at a risk for running away and getting really upset because who wants to go live in the exactly. They won't get in their parents' car voluntarily and drive across the country. Yeah, and so these people forcefully take you from your bed in the middle, the dead of night, and take you to these treatment centers. You're screaming and, ex- and crying, and mm-hmm. you, 
you, you don't have any idea what's going on and you see your parents outside the door because they have one of the parents stand there so that you know you're not getting kidnapped and it, your parent has to watch you get quite literally restrained and stuffed mm -hmm. into a car at 3 a.m screaming crying and begging asking why where yeah. you're going what's happening it, it's quite literally something out of a horror movie it's horrible and so paris hilton went through that and she still talks about how she has recurring nightmares and she can't sleep because of it and she has anxiety attacks and then she talks about she endured immense emotional and physical trauma and abuse at these boarding schools and she tried to run away from a lot of them and the last one she was at was really just such a sad story with how how miserable it was for her and how so y'all have got to go watch it it's 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 terrible and she finds the girls who were at the boarding school with her and they're all coming out now to talk about it and it's it's crazy because we'll get into this but when you're at that boarding school you don't know anyone your parents aren't there your family aren't there the community and the support system you've built your entire life they're gone so you have no choice but to believe the adults that are telling you these and things that I'd say the scariest part of it is that you convince yourself you're happy. You convince yourself that you're enjoying things. The littlest things I would get so excited about, like on a day whenever we would get dessert, quite literally, we would get a special treat, which would include like one brownie each. And I would be pissing my pants awaiting this brownie <laughs> a week in advance. Like it was the and I remember telling my mom that I called my mom and I was like, guess what? We're going to get a brownie. Brownies. And she starts crying. And she said, she was like, I don't, I don't want to tell you this because I don't want to mess it up for you. But that's the saddest thing that I've ever heard. The fact that you're yeah. giddy with me right now over the phone because of a brownie. When as a 16 year old girl, you, that shouldn't be something that shouldn't be the highlight of your month is a brownie. Mm -hmm. And fully support getting excited about the little things in life. The little things in life are what make it so wonderful. It's that that was all we were looking forward to. And that was the best part of like our, our life. We have decided, we've thought about this a lot, you guys. And I have had two of my therapists from boarding school on the podcast. I've had multiple girls from boarding school oh my God, on the podcast. And it's, it's a hard thing to navigate. And... We last time when we recorded this and got so off topic and we're just both mentally exhausted because we'd recorded the episode that you heard last time or last week, we told you the location because if you Google that location, you'll find the boarding school. But we've come to the conclusion we want to say the name just to let any parents that are possibly doing research be aware of that. And we're not going to say any names for HIPAA reasons, for privacy of the staff members. So yeah, that is the conclusion we've gotten to. Can I say it? We just say it one more we should say together, like one, two, okay, three. Ready? One, Reveal. two. Wait, wait, on three or after three? Oh, it has to be after three because we're saying three. Okay, so. <laughs> one. So one, two, 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 two three. three. Oh, wait, Chrysalis. Chrysalis. It's different because of the internet. Oh, my God. Oh, okay, that's okay. We'll just say it. It's Chrysalis. It is Chrysalis. Imagine, like, butterflies. You go in a caterpillar. Oh, you come out a butterfly. Thing. Nobody so, comes out a, a butterfly. They come out a, a caterpillar with a bow tie. A slightly better looking <laughs> on the outside caterpillar that's still a caterpillar. But have you ever seen a chrysalis? They're ugly as shit. That's exactly how this experience was. Like, yeah, actually, so you know what it is? It's fitting. Like if you went into a chrysalis and then you came back out just a, still a caterpillar. 
Yeah, and the world is so beautiful outside because you were just stuck in a nasty little sack you built for yourself. So it's like, wow, this is lovely. I'm so glad that this is my life now. But it was the same as it was before. Yeah, and then once you forget about your life in the cruise list, you're like, this life is kind of not that great. (laughs) What? I'm like, and then once you like get used to life outside of the crystal. Oh, I was like, I love my life. No, 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 no. The life in the crystal. Yeah, you realize, you realize that was how horrible awful. the chrysalis was. Okay. So the first thing we, now that we've said the name, we wanted to get into how therapeutic boarding schools are in fact an industry. It's a corporate ladder. It is a business. These people are making money from these girls and boys being in treatment so daisy you are the expert at this do you want to take that away i'll take it away so there are three or four giant business owners and these people aren't therapeutic background people they're not therapists they're not doctors these are cutthroat businessmen who are selling stocks and and buying out these small companies so the one that's a Chrysalis is owned by is in Bark. Quite literally, something well, at one point it was interchange. And yeah, now that's it's in what's Bark. crazy. That's how quick it literally yeah. was purchased. While me and Sadie were at school, it was it used to be interchange, and now it's in Bark because that's how quickly it changes hands. And with every change of hands, it changes all of the regulations that go with it, all the rules that go with it, and the, and it's done without. The, the argument when you do these therapeutic boarding schools that they love to use is they say that the program, what is it that I'm looking for? The one that's like, they, they love to say that the program fits the person. You know what I mean? It's an individualized Oh, program. yes. All right. So the ones that they love to, to use, these um, big companies do, is they love to say it's an individualized program. So everybody's a part of the same program, but it's catered to exactly your needs. Which That's is what they say. completely contradiction, contradictory towards the whole rules of these companies because the companies make giant regulations to fit every student, even though every student needs something different. For example, Sadie and I did not need what many of our peers needed as far as there's no reason that me and Sadie couldn't have our phones when we first got there. There's no reason that me and Sadie couldn't have started to go out outside of the campus and experience places music on an ipod the day we got there that was something we could have emotionally exactly. handled it, it's so, not something to handle i want to give you guys context we're on the embark website right now which is the organization that owns chrysalis okay so looking at the website right now we have locations of treatment centers owned by embark idaho california oregon montana up and down the eastern seaboard and so all of these kids whether they're at wilderness like new vision or residential programs therapeutic programs they're all under the same regulation exactly so the biggest issue is though you get sent to new vision wilderness let's say that your parents think you're ready to come home all right your parents are like hey you're ready to come home like we think that you've done so much work and then your therapist that works for new vision suggests a therapeutic boarding school do you think Mm -hmm. she's going to suggest the therapeutic boarding school that's under the same conglomerate company that she is or a different one she's going to pick the one that benefits her company it's it's a scheme that launders money into each other it's not and then there's a there's a whole other industry of these people called educational consultants and these are the people you bring in they visit schools where the 
staff parade around the students and tour them and they quote unquote recommend programs for your child, whether it's wilderness, a therapeutic boarding school, a residential, and they're giving you an apparently unbiased report. And so some of these educational consultants are tied to these different companies and they also don't know you. You meet this educational consultant two weeks before it's decided what program you're going to. So it's not your therapist's recommendation. It's not your doctor's recommendation. It's this person that you talk to one time that's like, okay, we think- I've never spoken to mine. Fit. It's crazy. I spoke to mine one time on the phone before- I, I never spoke list, to mine. Still haven't. And another big issue with these companies is because it's a company, it's run like a company. So they, they quite literally are advertising treatment. And it's a kind of thing that you can't properly advertise. Like when you advertise a success rate, what determines success? Like what, what is a successful person? How can you say that you came out? Because to be quite honest, I came out of treatment a different person. Yes, I came out of treatment more knowledgeable about myself. But am I any more successful than I was when I went in? No, I would have been just as successful. In fact, I would have had better grades and I would have gone to a better high school. Had I gone in a better college? Yeah. If I had of that's that's because of Chrysalis guys that she's confusing high school and college. That's their fault. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so we want to talk about this that success rate. So we are currently contributing to Chrysalis's success rate by graduating and completing the program. We are some of those numbers you would see on the website. And so we ask how how do you get a success rate in this super subjective world? of they call it the troubled teen industry and so what they do is when you come in you take one of those extraordinarily long diagnostic tests and it's do you fit the parameters for depression dysfunctional family relationships anxiety all of these different markers and your parents do the same thing and so that is your first data point is when you enter chrysalis and so when you look on their website, you see the data points of the girls that have graduated the program. And so Daisy, what's the difference between graduating and leaving Chrysalis? All right. So if you graduate Chrysalis, in a minute, we're going to tell you about the phases of Chrysalis. But mm -hmm. when you graduate, that means that you have checked off every box that they require literal you. boxes on paper. Literal boxes. There's a list. You've done everything on your list to certify you as being able to graduate along During with a secret 12, list. Months. Along with a secret list that a group of, we'll talk about treatment team in a minute, mm -hmm. a, a panel of adults gave a secret list that you don't know about, but you mm -hmm. have to inadvertently check off every box on that secret list. And when you and do, one of, you get to graduate. And so more than 50% numerically of the girls that were there when Daisy and I were there didn't graduate. Mm -mm. And Me and Daisy, almost all of our friends got pulled. Yeah. And that we'll talk about how traumatic that is to see your friends leave. And so these girls, their parents decide we don't see a difference. This isn't helping. We want them on a different program. Actually, they can come home. Whatever it is, that gets called being pulled from the program. And one of my closest, our closest friends ended up getting pulled. Name. And she knew a little bit beforehand that she was going to get pulled. And she got her therapist, all of the residential staff, everyone treated her with little respect and acted as though she was, she had no self, she had no self care or any, they treated her as though she they was about she to go on her well-being. Exactly. They treated her like and her, and her parents were throwing her future away. 
and she was mentally stable. She is one of the kindest girls that I oh, have like ever you. met. And we would be honest. We have been honest on this podcast about how some of these girls aren't truthful or they're not ha- successful now that they've left Chrysalis. We will be honest with you. And this girl was not one of those girls. So, like, that's an example of being pulled and what happens. So, these girls that get pulled, a very small percentage go back to another treatment center, whether it's wilderness or residential, if they cannot mentally be at Chrysalis, if that's too much freedom. But the majority of the girls that leave get pulled or are 18 and sign themselves out. When you turn 18, you're no longer... We'll talk about how you get signed in right next after this. But when you're 18, your parents no longer can keep you there. So, you can sign yourself out. But so their success rates come from these, what, like 40% is what we're at now of these girls that quote unquote graduate the program. They say, what do they say? We have a 100% success rate because they don't include these girls that got pulled or didn't complete the program. They're saying out of girls that stay here the entire time, 100% do graduate. And sure, that's true. But their actual success rate of girls that enter the program on day one and graduate is so much lower than that. Mm -hmm. And so one of these, this is interesting, Daisy. (laughs) Daisy just chatted me on Zoom and said, this is boring. I'm I'm telling parents how they can't know for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah no, it's, I'm not saying it's not important. It's so important. I, I was it's letting you know I'm bored. Okay, Daisy. <laughs> so what I'm getting at in all of this is that one of those boxes Daisy talked about that you have to check off to leave is to not be on the clinical scale of being depressed having familial conflict or having self-harm suicidal suicidal ideation or any of these harming risks which that is required i didn't go in with two (laughs) i never had so these are required you must check off these boxes to receive a graduation and your parents must also rate you as not wanting to harm yourself not being depressed and not having familial issues so that's how they can say on their website 100 percent of our girls graduate and 100 percent go home not being depressed not having family issues and not having urges to harm themselves which is so fucked can we just talk about that like we've talked about it already but like I just want you to take a minute to know that these statistics are not accurate. And that's so sad because parents don't know that. There's no way to know that. And there was so many girls that wouldn't be honest on those tests because they just wanted to leave. They wanted to go home. And so it's horrible because parents have no way of knowing what a school is really like. And we also forgot to preface this at the beginning, but our parents did immense research to find boarding schools. Chrysalis is the best of the of the worst. There is not really a history of physical or um, emotional abuse there. There's not any issues with girls running away and escaping there's no laundering issues, all of that kind of stuff. So this is a school that has a pretty good reputation and is better than many you'll find in the United States, which is what is so sad. So now we're going to talk about what happens when you get to Chrysalis, which is what your parents have to do to enroll you in the school. All right. So your parents, this is my dad's biggest issue, because if y'all don't know from the last episode, my dad is very like, he doesn't trust the government. He doesn't trust the law. He doesn't trust anybody. So part of signing your child away, in, I say away because you're signing your child away, but technically you're ch- signing your child into these programs. You give them 51% custody 
over your child and complete power of attorney. Whenever I had to go to the hospital because of my bleeding, that's why they could get me to the hospital and decide what sort of treatment the hospital is going to give me for that extreme pain before my dad even got on the phone because they have the majority custody and power of attorney. So, Which let's think about this. If you send your kid to a normal boarding school or a, a summer camp or when I went to residential treatment in a psych hospital, my 51% of custody was not signed over. Girls can stay there for a year and their parents still hold 100% custody because that's not necessary to get treatment. And to think that like your parents have signed over their rights, like that just... They had to do it. And, and just some, so sad. some staff would hold it over you. If you would be like, you can't tell me to do that. You can't do that to me. They'd say, um, actually I can do this because I have 51% custody. They would say that That's to horrible. people. They would say your dad, your mom gave me this right to do whatever the fuck I want with you. And so for these girls that have severe fear of being abandoned, or maybe they went through adoption and are already thinking their parents are going to abandon them again, or for me, someone who thought I didn't deserve love, just logically thinking through the fact that your parents signed a form that gave up their parental rights, even if they're still involved in your life and you're being told it's for the good of your mental health, like that feels so it's, it's the, You never get the right message when you hear that. For me, it was this thing of I've for the longest time, I didn't really think that my parents thought that I was worth the trouble I, because my, they had shipped me off to do horse riding. They had shipped me off for most of my life. So I really thought that my parents were saying, signing it off, saying, you deal with her like she's not our problem anymore. You fix her and then send her back to us fixed because we don't want to go through the trouble of dealing with this with her, you're going to have to do that so that then we can enjoy our perfect robot daughter. Yeah. And so it sucks. And like, we, I think Daisy and I both wish that there was a perfect school out there that didn't have these like different things involved that we'll get into. And it just sucks that that's not the case. And I don't know about Daisy, but I wouldn't change anything in my past because it's brought me to this person I am today. Yes, it sucks. Yes, some of it was miserable, but I still wouldn't change it. And so I want to explain that we're not trying to make people look horrible and say that there's no options for your kid and that you've made a mistake. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that we really wish this industry was different and we want to let you know what it's like on the inside so that exactly. you are trying to support a friend or if you're a parent looking for schools you know what to look for and you know what to expect so and many you know the emotional experience so you can work on that relationship while your kid is there and i think that so many parents whenever you would hear the stories when we were at school of so many mm -hmm. parents being like what like i had no idea that was part of it i had no idea this was the reason that me and sadie are talking about this is because we don't want there to be a moment when your daughter's talking to you on the phone and you're like what like that i had no idea that this was gonna happen i had no idea that this stuff happened like, we're not necessarily like, even horrible. saying yeah. that, that you can't send your daughter to school because of these things we're just saying we want you to know these things before you send your daughter to school yeah complete education and awareness going into it which a lot of us didn't get so next thing we have on here is the overview of the chrysalis program so the first thing we want to talk about is the phase system which is really what the whole program sits on top of 
there are how many was it seven phases orientation acceptance trust action stability transition six phases and so when you get there you're on orientation you are not allowed to walk anywhere without another student you have to check in with staff every 15 minutes just like lots of regulations and the idea was that every 15 minutes i don't think people spend enough time on that because they glossed over it too whenever i first got there every 15 minutes 15 minutes standard in treatment but not for you to go find the staff it's standard for the staff to find you you sound so like that sounds uptight and spoiled but it's like if you're all in a common area, the staff is like, okay, great. There's Sadie. Let me go look for Daisy. Okay, we're good. But it was, I don't know. It was just weird because you had this idea of independence, but also at the same time, it was, it's just the idea of the mixed messages and what these rules and regulations tell you emotionally. So the idea was that you would become oriented, then you would completely accept the program, then you would build trust with your peers staff and family members then you would actually start doing your work on action then you would stabilize that work and then you would transition home that was the idea of the phases i want to touch on the acceptance phase because daisy and i both had a hell of a ride on that phase mm-hmm. the acceptance phase it's like nothing a hard phase okay well no i it took me a little bit because it's i was so focused on leaving but like the acceptance phase if you talked about possibly leaving chrysalis if you talked about how your last program was or how you wish things were different you weren't accepting the program you weren't ready to do your work if you didn't accept that there were things were that were wrong with you and that needed to change that you needed to be at chrysalis you hadn't accepted it and so it was just like a really it's a weird thing to think about in my opinion yeah no definitely I got out of the phases. I lied. Oh my god! And so we cannot. It would take a whole episode to get through all these checkboxed items on these phases, and like the fact that it takes six months for you to start doing your work at Chrysalis, like that's insane to me. Because action is when you do your main work. Like, so we don't have time to get into all of that. But the idea is that the backbone of this program is the phase system. So next, we're going to talk about home visits. So I want to preface this with I had been seeing my parents every single weekend at McLean Hospital. I'd been seeing my parents every weekend. It had been going phenomenally well. I was visiting home every couple of weeks. I was talking to them every single day on the phone. So coming to Chrysalis, I was not allowed to see my parents for months And I was not allowed to go home for probably four or five months. And that was the fastest anyone got to go home unless there was a funeral that happened. And sometimes these girls' family members, they would would die and they wouldn't be able to go home for that funeral, which is horrible. So, Daisy, what did you want to touch on about home visits? Nothing really. I just want to, like, for someone to explain it. Yeah, so basically for a home visit... You are allowed to go home and see your family. Home visits have to be improved by treatment team, which we'll hear about in a couple of minutes. And you have to have a plan going into it. Your parents and you have to be all on the same board, which makes sense. Totally fine. But it can be up to six months or more. Some girls didn't go home for longer of being at this school before you're allowed to go home and visit your family. So going in, knowing that that's the timeline, that's what this will look like for you. I just want to say before we go on, is that Daisy and I were the good kids. We checked the boxes. We did as we were told. We were never on safety. We never asked to get pulled or go home. That is how we got through this program was by box checking and mm-hmm. people pleasing. So we wanted to preface this by saying that and just giving you that insight. Yeah. 
So next we're going to move on to leadership and sorry this is taking a long time to get through just like the overview of the boarding school. So you give a brief over thing of leadership and I'll chime in. All right, you got anything. it. So leadership is actually I'm glad that I get to tackle this one because it's probably my favorite one to tackle and my least favorite part of Chris Lewis as a whole. So first of all, the people that are mostly in charge of chrysalis in this particular area of Montana are all Mormons. I personally don't have anything against Mormons. The musical The Book of Mormon was a fabulous musical. I would recommend it for everybody. Okay, but that doesn't re- reflect your not having anything against Mormons. Well, I just I just said I think we should put that in there because I, I love that musical and it's what piqued my interest okay. in the Mormon faith. Yes, okay, Daisy loves the Book and, of Mormon. But the, uh, administ- our head administrator did not appreciate my interest in the Mormon faith because I asked some tough questions, let's say. So the administration as a whole is built, there's, there's a, a top tier level of people, and then there's the people that you interact with on a regular basis in your residential life, so the people that hang out with you at the house, your adventure life, the people that take you on our outings every weekend, and then the school life, which is like your teachers and your um, advisors, and then above all those people are the administrators. And there is a representative from every single person in this group that does treatment team. And a treatment team is a group, a panel of adults that quite literally decide your fate. They decide when you're going to get to see your family. They get to decide when you get to talk to your loved ones. They get to decide if you get to go on trips, if you get to go places. They determine everything. And Mm -hmm. some of these people you don't even speak to. And those people, this leads right into the people that decide upon student government. Student government is the worst thing I've ever been a part of. I hated being a part of student government so much they so first of all they're so worried about it being a popularity contest that they don't let people vote on the student government they select the student government and they select it so, so that it's staff appointed representatives exactly. of the students so of course the students hate the girls exactly. that get to do it because like they didn't get chosen i would hate them too i did hate them at the beginning also i'm pretty i'm pretty <laughs> fired up about this because our biggest issue with chrysalis was the fact that people feel like it's the prison and they just they they mm-hmm. see everything through these prison lenses they see everything That's we, we called the it prison right lenses there. because it's what it was you see everything as this isn't my choice i don't want to be here i'm stuck here and the best so here we were chosen by staff to teach these students to not see it and the way prison. that we knew how to do it was to plan things to look forward to. You can't think about how you have no choice to do something if you're excited about going to a dance, if you're excited about getting to decorate something in this weekend, if you're excited about a special treat day, if you're excited, if you're looking forward to something, it always seems better. But that's not what they wanted. Mm -hmm. They wanted for us to sit around in a circle and talk about our feelings and how we're going to change the culture around campus for the better. And y'all, we weren't asking for a trip to Hawaii. We were like, can we do yeah. ice cream? Can we have ice cream for a no. day? They're like, are you kidding? <laughs> we were not asking help anything the culture. crazy. We're like, it's going to help the culture because maybe for once people will be happy. Maybe it won't feel like yeah, we wanted to- they're being sucked down this hole of nothing. And it's never ending. Because that's the worst part of this is that it feels like it's never ending. It's the longest first six months of your life. I've never had a time period stretch so long. I almost cried every single day. 
So let's talk about residential staff. The residential staff are the people you interact with every day. When you get up in the morning, they're the ones that wake you up and are there. They're there after you get home from school. And if you've struggled with your mental health, you know those are the times that you're going to face challenges, whether it's getting out of bed in the morning, maintaining a routine, calls with your parents, whatever it is, is during those hours. Maybe it's a nightmare, getting to bed at night. Those are the challenges when and the times when you need support. Residential staff had little to no cha- training. And so this the same person that would get hired minimum wage at a grocery store was hired for minimum wage at this boarding school. And that's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I, I love the idea of getting younger people involved in the mental health field and giving them that hands-on experience. They did that at McLean. They've done it at other programs. It's amazing because you can connect with those people. And we had some staff that were like, they deserved to run the best freaking oh, treatment yes. center in the world because they were so good at connecting and being authentic and helping us through challenges. But when you have people that don't know how to handle conflicts with parents or conflicts between girls or anxiety attacks or episodes of depression, like you run into major issues. So now we get into yes. the good stuff. Personal we have stories. personal stories. My favorite part. We are this is the reason you guys with... came is to hear me and Sadie's personal weird stories. Yeah. And so this is this like these are our party stories. These yes. are the best stories we have to tell because like yes. this year is a mess. So we are gonna talk about first what happens if you had an eating disorder okay. at this school. I've been dying so to talk about this. I struggled with an I struggled with an eating disorder and developed a treatment protocol for that at McLean. It was one of my treatment approach things. And so I came to Chrysalis with this protocol that I had developed, mind you, with the best doctors in the world. Number one psychiatric hospital. Come to Chrysalis. No, that's not, that's not helpful. Like what? Anyways, so my thing was that I had messed up my hunger cues so severely that I didn't get hungry throughout the day. And so if I wasn't constantly like snacking or eating things I enjoyed, I wouldn't put on weight because I would never know I was hungry because that's what I taught my body. So I had these snacks. I had like little meat bars. I had some cheddar bunnies. Like I had these like healthy snacks and I would eat these. And people got so heated over these snacks. The staff hated them. The students hated them. And I was just trying to learn how to be hungry again. I was trying to rewire my bodily signals that I messed up. But I think that the reason that, because I'm going to be completely honest, I was one of those people that was very salty and saying about the snacks. And it was a thing of, it was a jealousy that the staff would perpetuate by being like, hmm, like, oh, Sadie gets snacks. And it's a thing of, it's not like we actually would have had an issue with Sadie getting snacks. It's that snacks were so thin and hard to come by for us that we were just jealous that we weren't allowed to have fun snacks. We didn't eat snacks. We got one little bag of raisins at 3 p.m. every day. And other than that, you just had breakfast. Exactly. Like, I'm sorry. It is known that the human body eats more food than that. Especially if you don't like being served. And so I also dealt with, uh, I think I, I sort of touched on it in the last episode with anorexia that was sort of perpetuated by my family of saying, you're not skinny mm-hmm. enough, you're not. And this is some good perspectives here because I struggled with bulimia right. and Daisy struggled with anorexia. So we're getting some like yeah. different so I, I wouldn't eat for like days on end at home previously. And my parents were like, that's good. Like you're being good, like good job, not eating. Yeah, you're And skinny. so yeah. I went to wilderness and that sort of got messed up. And then I started taking Vivance when I got to wilderness. And Vivance... Mm-hmm. Probably should not have been prescribed to me because I was recovering. I had I was recovering from an eating disorder, and Vivance's main side effect is 
it kills your appetite completely. Appetite suppression. So I came into Chrysalis with almost a built-in excuse for me not eating. I wouldn't eat. This girl would not eat I wouldn't eat ever. I would eat like, I I would eat breakfast. I would eat one little muffin for breakfast Mm -hmm. and then I wouldn't eat lunch. No, Daisy, sometimes you would eat like 17 pieces of bacon. That's true. I did eat a lot of bacon because protein. And we ate a lot of bread. So like Daisy like would eat sometimes, but like not a lot. Not at the day day at all. And so I wouldn't eat. But this girl went freaking ham yeah, for breakfast. I'd get so hard if she ate all the little circle toasts. I would get so pissed at you, Daisy. I went so hard at breakfast. And, and so then I would take my Vyvanse and then I wouldn't eat anything at lunch or dinner. And then they, so typically they have these sheets that you fill out that say, tell us why you're not eating. A meal, a meal refusal, refusal form, form. exactly. And, and you sign, you sign all of the information and you say, oh, I'm not eating today because I was right. Vyvanse, 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 Vyvanse. And they were like, they would flip the pages. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's right. Daisy's saying five minutes. It makes oh, sense sure, that she's fine. not eating. Yeah. Like, that that makes sense. We're not going to flag that as a red flag, even if we flip through her report and it's 37 pages yeah, from the last four days. Even though through here and it seems though she hasn't eaten in three weeks. And, huh, that's crazy that we also, in her files, it also says that she struggles with anorexia really badly. Well, we won't connect that's those fine. dots at all. And it, it was a thing of... Nobody noticed. Nobody noticed that I wasn't mm-hmm. eating anything. My peers noticed. I, they all noticed. It's not hard to notice. Every single day, I'd be like, Daisy, please yeah. eat lunch. No, people eat would something. be like, Daisy, eat some lunch. She's, eat some. Zadie and Corinne would bring me a plate of lunch. Chip, she, just chip. like, because they know that I only eat bread. <laughs> they would just bring me a yeah. plate of bread. Just, <laughs> we would give her our bread because bread yeah, was portioned, y'all. We'd be like, Daisy, eat this and, bread and for that, us. That's when I, that's honestly what got me out of the eating disorder was that love of people being like, it's what simultaneously something that kept me in it was the staff didn't notice at all in my parents. It, mm-hmm. it sort of clicked in my mind that the staff were like supposed to be like my parents. And if the staff weren't saying anything, they were yeah. saying that was good. Because they didn't want me to, they didn't want me mm-hmm. to eat. And what took me to get me out of it was my peer saying, well, they, what they were, they were saying, here, have our bread. What I heard is we care so much about you and your well-being that we're going to give you this rationed, small portioned, best part of our meal, because mm-hmm. we want you to know that you're enough, even if you're not 135 pounds. That's what the staff are supposed yeah. to do. That's the staff's job. It's to make me feel loved and to make me feel like it's okay for me to eat. But my friends have to be the one to do that. And that's the biggest theme at Chrysalis is that Chrysalis was okay for me because of my peers. Because we're constantly picking up the slack that the therapeutic program is is leaving behind. Mm -hmm. And anyone that's in a traumatic situation will have such amazing connections. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So... Next thing we want to talk about is how food was used as a punishment. So if girls would be eating, like, if they ate bread or if they ate something at the house or if they... What were other reasons that we... If you, like, left it open, if you had... If you didn't clean up good enough, like, because we had, in the morning, the chores with kitchen. If kitchen hadn't Mm -hmm. been cleaned up after breakfast, you would go on bread ban. So there would be bans of cereal, bread. I think we're on milk ban at one point. Do you remember when we had to have a meeting to ask people to drink less milk because we were scared there wasn't going to be enough Yes, I was one of the milk drinkers. I knocked 
back milk, y'all. <laughs> that's honestly when people are like, oh, you feel such a bad eating disorder. How did you not lose weight at Chrysalis? That's because I was eating honey, milk, 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 and bread. And that's what's crazy yeah. is that we were getting in trouble for eating too much food. So they would take away the food. That's literally like number mm-hmm. one, don't do for an eating disorder recovering person is say you're eating too yeah. much food. So now we're going to cut off. And that was super common for girls. Like many teenage girls face issues with body image and play around with restricted eating. Like that is something everyone should be vigilant of because it's an easy pattern to fall into in today's society. And so we also wanted to touch on, I would just want to talk about, paint a picture for you, what it was like when we got to meals and it was something that was not disgusting. People would run. You would be pushing. You would be fighting for food. If you did not eat in 30 seconds, there would be nothing left for you. We were fighting it was literally for like soldiers. Like it like you didn't you didn't give a fuck about your fellow man when you were running to get mm-hmm. whatever food was out. It was elbows. It was and y'all, I'm telling you, I'm one of the most mm-hmm. polite, loveliest ladies in the world. I would elbow my way, fight my way to get you would sit in the dinner group near the stairs so you could run. And, and I'm just, I'm just itching. Like, I'm, my, my whole it. body's shaking, like, just ready to just yeah. run to get food. Like, y'all, do you hear this? So there's another girl like Daisy who also wasn't eating much. And because she would act out behaviorally and have conflicts or not develop a relationship with her parents, this issue was brought up to her, Mm-mm. but not to Daisy. So it was like, if you were checking these boxes they were looking for, all exactly. of these things So I went to school. Rig. I... I had, I was having this great therapy with my parents. I was showing real signs of change. So they swept my lack of eating under the rug. Whereas this other girl was struggling with those boxes. She didn't have a great relationship. Everything, she yeah. was pushing back on things that honestly, I understand pushing back on. But because of yeah. that, she was constantly getting on safety for not eating. She was doing the same thing as me. But I was, I was behaving mm-hmm. and putting my head down. So I never got in trouble for that. Exactly. So next thing we had on here was Mardi Gras. Daisy, this is your stage. Take it All away, right. my friend. So to really explain it, I kind of have to go into what Mardi Gras is and what it means to me. And I might like cry because it's such a... Mardi Gras is... <laughs> I don't do yeah, well when Daisy cries. Uh, I don't do well when anybody cries. So <laughs> hashtag be free. Yeah, I just get... <laughs> so it was... Mardi Gras is a celebration of the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday to celebrate Lent. So you celebrate it all as big and as great as you can. You go out, you party, you eat the most unhealthy foods, you drink, you 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 splurge. And mm-hmm. my family has been celebrating Mardi Gras for years. Like since I was a tiny baby, it's been a very big deal to me and to the culture of growing up in the South. And in fact, my family celebrates Mardi Gras bigger than Christmas because of some of my, my father's some trauma associated with Christmas because of my grandmother would sort of get a little bit more abusive during the Christmas time because of the stress Mm -hmm. of making Christmas perfect. And Mardi Gras, nobody was stressed because everybody was partying and drinking and it's my, both of my parents are also really bad alcoholics. And so Mardi Gras is almost socially acceptable to be an alcoholic. And a lot of people don't know this, but 
so my parents weren't like violent alcoholics. So it was almost better when they were drunk. They were nicer. I felt more loved when they were drunk. So it sort of clicked in my brain that Mardi Gras was associated with really loving parents because they were very intoxicated. And so they would Mm -hmm. hug me more. They would let me play. They would let me be a kid. When most of my childhood, I had to be a little grown up. I had to do what I was told and I had to wear the nice dresses Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get dirty. I could play during Mardi Gras. So that's like sort of the background of why it was so important to me. And there was like the religious yes. so I'm an component. Exactly. So I'm an Episcopalian. Well. And you are supposed to, on Ash Wednesday, you go to church and you uh, get your ash across your forehead saying that you're about to enter Lent. And I was actually, I, I, I practice Lent. I celebrate Lent. And so that year, and it was the whole, you, you party all Tuesday. And then on Tuesday night, you have pancakes. And that's a religious thing. That's oftentimes churches put on pancake suppers because in the Middle Ages, they would use the butter, the lard, the milk, and the flour from the cupboard because you weren't supposed to do that during Lent. So that makes, that's roughly a pancake. Mm-hmm. So all, of, so my church would do it. And then you would do evening Mardi Gras mass. And then in the morning, you would go to Wednesday. So this is the significance of Mardi Gras, and it's a, it's very big in the South, particularly Louisiana and Mississippi. And so I asked to be able to go home for Mardi Gras, and they were like, no, you're not going to have been on the right phase to go home for Mardi Gras, but we want you to put on a Mardi Gras celebration here for your peers, just like you would do at home. At home, we the way we celebrate Mardi Gras is through a Mardi Gras ball. So my parents put on this super fancy formal ball, and then on Somme de Gras and Lune de Gras, which is sun, the Sunday and Friday before Mardi Gras. And so we would celebrate Lune de Gras and Somme de Gras, which is translated to Fat Tuesday, Fat Sunday, and Fat Saturday and Fat Friday. Because Mardi Gras is just Fat Tuesday. So we would have these big balls mm-hmm. and then we would end cake supper at our church. And so it started out exactly on plan. It was going to be a formal ball. And then treatment team said, ooh, oh, sorry. Looks like we're not going to be able to do a formal ball. You didn't tell us in time. So it can just. No, you I did, did it first. And they were like, we got to think and about it. And then they were like. Ooh, well, now that we've gotten to this point, it's too late in time. Like, we can't do a ball, can't do formal. We'll just do a party. Girls can't get their Yeah, we'll just do a party. So I said, okay. Next day in student government meeting, we have a member of treatment team come in and say, so we've been doing some research. And we were thinking, what if instead of a party, because we don't think a party would really help the culture. What if instead of a party... We decorated masks because I heard that they do that in Lafayette, Louisiana. I heard they decorate <laughs> masks. And then they have a little bitty parade through the woods that ends with a decorated hat. And I said, first of all, this isn't for the culture. This is for me. I have been for me. And I don't know what the fuck you read that about Lafayette, Louisiana. All right? Because... I can tell you that no one's decorating hats, hats and masks in Louisiana on Mardi Gras. All right. Everyone in Mardi Gras in Louisiana is too drunk to even stand up straight enough to march through the woods. That's not how Mardi Gras is celebrated, sir. 
There's not woods yeah, in I know. New Orleans. He's a march through the woods. <laughs> like, this is 1911 in New Orleans. New Orleans hasn't had woods <laughs> since before the 20th century. Oh, my gosh. and so then i was like this was the funniest thing because i just shut down and y'all this is the first time i've seen he came to my rescue Sadie looked this man's eyes and said yeah no that's not gonna work we're not gonna do that (laughs) and i'm like crying silently and Sadie was like (laughs) i wish you guys she was like she was like breathing through her nose the hand was on the temple she was like the eyes were closed. She what could she was nonverbal. Daisy could not utter a response to this man. I was like, we're stepping in here. No words. Oh my god. Because everybody was so shocked. Because it first of all, they just researched a random play, like like they, and then they and then they really thought we were gonna be into it. He was really shocked that we didn't oh, just yeah. latch right on to this. And Every, everybody really? was just flat jawed, wide open, just looking at him like, what? what? No. We went from black tie ball yeah. with cake to just walking what? the woods. No. Walk in the woods. So then they're like, they're like, um, they're like, okay, okay. Uh, we get your feedback. Uh, so you're not into this. Understood. Um, <laughs> So then what are we going to do? And I said, you know what? We're going to do a party, just a party. And then I had to explain to them that a party wasn't a dance because they kept saying, well, a dance doesn't actually help the culture. It doesn't actually help the culture. And I'm like, I don't think y'all remember that this isn't for the culture. This is literally just y'all could, y'all could justify not letting me go you home. You said that I could do it. Yeah. And so we're doing, we, we put on the whole thing and my dad sends a oh wait i want to touch on really quick yeah they let us go to the houses and announce to all the girls that we were having a black tie ball they got us all excited everyone we were all ordering our dresses okay and they're like nope they're like we canceled sorry no we're not doing that anymore we were like (laughs) what but okay um so then we get into we're getting close my dad sends over all these decorations he sends over king cakes they didn't have to spend they a penny spend on anything. this party. Richard Graham did the whole thing because he felt so bad that I was missing out on. Y'all, if you knew how many decorations we got. Oh, my God, you guys. We had cake sent to us from New Orleans. We had beads. We had streamers. We had masks that were not homemade. It, no, right. Real masks. And the, the, Table the week before this, we got uh, this the guy who was like sort of the liaison between us and. Mm-hmm. treatment team to order tiaras for the queen of the mardi gras mm-hmm. so the queen of the mardi gras is always voted on all right it's always has been since mm-hmm. the beginning of this tradition it's how it worked so yeah. i said we're voting on the queen of the mardi gras we had a princess of the mardi gras a queen a duchess and the lady of the mardi gras one for each one grade for each so grade. the freshman was a lady of the mardi gras sophomore duchess um junior princess queen senior and mm-hmm. 
right before, about a week before, they said, what if we selected people? I was a good at this point, but I looked these two people in the eyes and I said, life is a popularity contest. I said, I don't care if people get their feelings hurt. I don't. And this was not like, Daisy was not going into this. Like, if I don't win, I'm going to throw a fit. Mm-mm. Like, it was just whoever gets the most votes wins. That's exactly. how it works. And it, it, it was just a thing of like, I, j- I wanted everything to be so perfect for everyone because I was showcasing my family's culture and it was so important to me that they experience it to the fullest. And we're getting, mm-hmm. so we're getting ready to go. And I'm, I'm doing people's makeup in the chalet. And one of our mm-hmm. staff What's members, the chalet? Oh, the chalet is like this, it, the separate building you get to live in if you're like super leader-like and you're like, me and Sadie got to live there. It's where you live if you're like one of the gang. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the house. You, it's like separate building and it doesn't have a staff in it typically. Mm-hmm. And you get to stay. Well, it was supposed to, but they couldn't have enough we staff. Everyone kept there. quitting. But um, so we're getting ready and one of the staff comes over. She looks at me doing people's makeup and says, why are y'all so dressed up? It's not supposed to be a big dress up thing. And then I blacked out. (laughs) I got madder than I have gotten in a very long time. And I said, I'm going to dress up as much as I want to dress up. This entire night's been taken away from me. You're not going to take this away from me. This is a Mardi Gras that we're celebrating like Mardi Gras. And then the statue says, <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. And then laugh. Okay. I like yeah, your dress. I like your dress. <laughs> you look really cute. <laughs> I know. Um, and then we get there and it was, it was a fun night. It was, it was good, but definitely one of the reasons that I hate student government. Yeah. Student government was rough. So the next thing we want to talk about is what happened when one of our dear peers suffered an anxiety attack. We were forced to run around on the field, play exercise sports, super hot outside. This girl gets into the van and starts having a panic attack. She can't breathe. She's shaking. Like we thought she was like maybe having like it was like a full it was, body lockdown Yeah, it was almost like situation. I was worried that it wasn't an anxiety attack. Like that's how much it was like. She, like, I was worried yeah, that it was a physical yeah. thing. It was one of those panic attacks where, like, sometimes it's a mental thing and then you work yourself into it. This one, it was, like, your, a physical body response yeah. that came out of nowhere. And so she is hyperventilating, freaking out. We think she might be having a seizure. What so happens, Daisy? we have this one staff member who should never have been in the position of power ever in her life, specifically not at a, a place for people with mental issues so she turns around while this girl's freaking out like all two other staff are crowded around her being like what do we need to do she turns around i don't even know if the other staff were around her they had to wait they came yeah so she's freaking out she looks at her and says are you okay (laughs) this girl doesn't answer because um she can't physically she's hyperventilating on the floor and uh, then the staff goes all right, turns around, turns the music up, rolls the windows down, and turns the air up. <laughs> we were like... The heat, like the heat. Oh, yeah, the, the air heat. conditioning, guys. The heat. Which the girl's having an anxiety attack is overheated. And then upon realizing <laughs> that, that the said, staff is not doing anything, Lake House staff, which is really another group, comes over and is like, are you okay? <laughs> like, is everything good? 
and starts dumping water on her, putting her on the ground, like getting through this situation. We were the ones that were at first like, sit down. Okay, it's okay to be okay. Let's breathe. Let's breathe. Sit down. Drink this water. We were the ones intervening because the staff couldn't. Do you know how unsafe that makes you feel? Like, if you are more competent in the situation than people who are supposed to be guarding your life, like, good God. So that was another fun situation. Is it time, is it time for my favorite? Um, the only sent. Is it time for my favorite? What? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, y'all, do we have a story? All right. For you? I want to preface this by saying I have nothing against witches. I love witches. I love people that practice Wickham. I love Halloween. I, I love everything about the witch. But yeah, I'm witch I'm a witch supporter. supporter all the way. Vote witch 2020. All right. She's going to live in our room with me and one other girl. This other girl was like an, an older member. So then we have issues furthering where she's watching me while I sleep. Um, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and she's perched right there on her bedside just watching me. And then I just roll back over because staff hasn't done anything about it. We did this massive deep clean that we had to do for school. And me and the girl who's older, who is our co-roommates with this girl, we moved my bed. Mm -hmm. And there, right where my head would be, is a perfect circle of animal bones. And I said, (laughs) are you seriously? And then I go upstairs. I said, don't touch it. I said... Snap, there's animal bones arranged in a circle under my bed. <laughs> and they said, oh, great. How is this something you had to do? <laughs> oh, God, not they, again. The circle of downstairs, they're like, yep, there it is. They take a couple of pictures for evidence. I said, I think we both know who did this, right? And they're like, hey, don't jump to conclusions. Just because there's a circle of animal bones doesn't mean it's the one witch that happens to live in your room. No, that's not necessarily true. (laughs) So then the next day I get a visit from our house manager who's like over all the residential staff. And she says, all right, so I did some research. It turns out it's not even a bad (laughs) omen. It's it's not even a bad spell. It is a spell. It it does happen to be a spell in her culture. Okay, it does. (laughs) But it's not bad. Okay, it's it's just it just represents that she wants you to leave. All right, it's not bad. It just it's just it, it's very neutral. I think it's a neutral spell. All right, we have nothing to worry about. All right, I've talked to her. Uh, she says it wasn't purposeful. And then I say it's a perfect circle of animal bones. They don't just fall like that. It's not just like oh look a perfect animal circle under the bed under the bed right where my head goes. <laughs> And they're like, okay, we hear you. You guys, I am in, in tears. We hear you. We hear you. We get it. All right. We understand. So we can't guarantee that we can move her out of your room right now. Hopefully soon, though. I said, she put animal bones under my bed in a circle. And your only argument is that it's a neutral spell. It's not an evil spell. I think that we need to move me out of this room. So they move us out of the room. I'm not even kidding y'all. We sit down on the couch. They say, guys, we're doing room changes. I verbally say, oh my God, thank you. I said, <laughs> oh, finally, like finally, finally. And 
And y'all, at this point, everybody still thinks that I'm just a crazy bitch for not liking this girl. They thought I planted the bones. (laughs) They thought that I had planted the bones (laughs) in the circle to get her in trouble because everybody thought that I was just unnecessarily mean to this girl. Now, things start to change for the better, I would say, when I'm going to let Sadie tell the story of how she moved into the chalet after months. We're missing a big part. So Daisy moves out of that room. A couple of months go down the road. All of us are living. It's called Horse House. We're all living in Horse House, living up our lives. <sighs> when Oh, my gosh. Girls, I shouldn't be laughing. Goes up to the staff. <laughs> has this discussion. And the staff is like, I think you've been molested are the words that were spoken to this girl. And this girl is like, like naturally. So freaking the fuck out. She's like, my roommate has molested me. I cannot be in this this house. I am like, she was like, I'm going to be open-minded about having this girl as my roommate. Like Daisy, I think you're crazy for like all these stories. Yeah. And we're, of course, not going to get into what happened that led to that allegation because triggering. But basically, this girl was like, this girl, this roommate molested me. And so the girl that got molested starts sleeping on the couch in another part of the building. They have not moved this girl out of the room. And prior to this, we've heard this girl, didn't she say in a group she'd raped someone? Yes, she did. So she said in a group that she had raped someone before she came to treatment Weird thing to break up in groups, too. We don't usually talk about stuff like that, just so you guys know. That's That's not the private therapy thing you say just to your therapist. That's not not a group therapy topic. But you know what? Open-mindedness. You put up with a lot in treatment. So the background of this girl having raped someone, and then her molesting the roommate. The roommate has sleeping probably for a week in another part of the house because they will not move this girl out of the room. So, we all sit down Sunday. We're doing room changes, guys. They say, this girl is moving up to the chalet with Sadie and her roommate. And I said, no, you're fucking not. I, close to tears, I had a family call that day, thank the Lord, because you're only allowed to talk to your family once a week. If I hadn't had a call that day scheduled, I would not have been able to talk to my parents. I beg them. I'm like, I... I don't think my dad's going to be able to talk later. Like, can I please talk to him on the phone now? They're like, yeah, sure, whatever. This is the incompetent staff who, like, the panic attack situation, she was the one who let me do this. Any other staff would not have let this happen. You could get me out of that staff, though. Oh, yeah. Bread, food, anything. I get on the phone with my dad, and I'm like, dad, I need help. They are going to room me with a girl who molested her past roommate. And he was like, Sadie, are you joking? And I was like, no, dad, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Like, I'm, I'm scared. And he was like, are you being serious? And I was like, yes, dad. And he was like, do you believe this girl? And I was like, yes, dad. And even if the I, allegation like, I, yeah. I don't feel safe. Yeah, I don't feel safe. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with her in my room. Like, I, dad, I need help. I, they, I, and I'd asked. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And they were like, nope, room changes are final. And my dad was like, okay, I'm going to call the residential manager. This is the only time, mind you, that I had my parents Her step parents in during treatment. Like I never asked them to pull me. I do things by myself. I put my foot down and said, Dad, I do not feel safe. I need your help. He calls the residential manager and is like, you cannot wear my daughter with this girl. Um, so then. And my parents are the kind of people 
Yeah. So my parents are the kind of people where you don't say no to them. They can get very, they, they'll make their case. And especially in the situation where they knew I didn't feel safe. So they get the residential manager involved, which is above the people that had approved these room changes to begin with. So then what they say, okay, Sadie can't be in that room. Like that's not going to happen. It works. And then they say, so what are we going to do now? We're going to put her back with Daisy. <laughs> I will never forget the moment that they called me and Sadie into the office and they said, all right, guys. So say like, you don't have to room with her. We hear you. We hear, we hear that you have this issue with this uh, <laughs> recent allegation and with the months that Daisy has brought up to us, all of the crazy shits that this person has done to her. And we hear that. So Daisy, we're going to pop her with you and, <laughs> and another person upstairs. Does that sound, is that good? Is that, you think that'll work? <laughs> Again, just like the Mardi Gras thing, I couldn't speak. I was like. <laughs> Daisy does not get speechless, y'all. Like, this I, is. Y'all, I was like, are you, y'all joking. I noticed that up to this point, I'm the biggest <laughs> proponent of this girl needs to leave treatment. I'm telling everybody that'll listen about the stuff that's happening. I am like the one person that probably should have been the f- number one. <laughs> shouldn't put her with that girl. That do that, not room with her. Girl. Yeah. Like that's not the move. So then, <laughs> then, they, then I have a meltdown. Obviously I have a giant meltdown. I say, call I and Daisy, what did they, what did they say? They said, to us? Okay. They said We're we hoping. we have a feeling that first they gassed us up. They said, uh, "Y'all are just such good leaders. <laughs> you guys are doing so in well. the house. You're doing so good at this program, <laughs> and everybody wants to be like you. And they know that the best way to get to me is by saying that people want to be like me because it it gets in it, it craw- crawls into me. I like type oh, three, oh, type, type three. three, and then they're like, um, they're like, so because of all that." We think y'all can change her for the better. Student. We think you'll be a really good influence on her. Are supposed in to her fix treatment. the most dangerous. Save this girl from molestation charges. The most dangerous charges. girl with molestation charges. And we haven't even gotten into anything about like issues with self-harming or suicidal ideation yeah. because like I've been there. That's uh-huh. not something you can get mad or at people no. about. Like you can't control that. That is totally separate this like liability and safety issue we're just talking about the exactly. fact that we were almost room i was Daisy so was. Then we i end up call, calling mm-hmm. my therapist and my therapist is like yeah listen uh, <laughs> like to help you here buddy i will say if you do it i can almost guarantee that you'll get your next phase because i'll argue it pretty hard that you did this even though you didn't want to how fucked up is that that they were like you'll get yeah. your next phase if you do this if you put your physical safety at risk, you know what? We'll so then at that your next point, I couldn't just be like, no, I, I couldn't. I I was out of cards. Like I didn't have anything else to do. Exactly. You have no power. So then I let um I let her let him move in, and they said, all right, it's one strike thing. Like w- they mess up one time, they're out of here. Like out out of the program out of here. Mm-hmm. Like we promised you guys. Like they they've, they they gave us their word. First out of the chalet, but also out of the program. They gave us our word. Then they say it's a one strikeout policy. So this person messes up once. They're out of here. Uh, not even just out of the chalet. Whether it's safety risk, anything. Like, 
This is the last one. Exactly. This was basically their just Hail Mary pass to see if they could keep her there by putting her with us. So I'm going to be honest. I was pretty watchful. I, 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 was, I was hoping to cash her in something, a mistake. And I'll never forget the night that it happened. Trigger warning if you have an eating disorder, skip this part. So Daisy and I, we can see the signs. See one oh, takes one to know one. Loaded up that play, is the principle you guys. of treatment. You see these signs from a mile away. This is a girl who struggles to put any meal in her stomach. Portions on the plate, little bit of salt, yeah, lots of water. Anything. This girl does it not makes a eat big heavily. Deal of it when she doesn't eat. Like yeah. she because it's very competitive. Broadcast. Very competitive mental illness. So she's she wants everyone to know. Yeah. She's the worst of it. Like, we got to do another episode about that. But, okay, so this girl, biggest bowl of mac and cheese like, that you've ever seen. Staff mentioned Shoveling. It. Like, like, they're like, yeah, they're like, Are man, okay? that's a lot of mac and cheese. Like, that's not fair. Shoveling. I, I can see. I, I said, yeah, I said, no. Me and Sandy make no. eye contact from across like, the table. Begging. <laughs> Shook our heads. Shook our heads. Yeah. We said, we know what's going to happen here shoveling second bowl shoveling it in goes down mm-hmm. daisy and i shaking the heads keeping an eye out corner of the eye makes we all run for the chalet we see her exit we all stand up the right away we all stand up all the girls in the chalet are so close y'all there's only four of us there's so we can like think what each other's thinking before it even happens we all shoot up yeah. and we go to the door we make sure that she's made it to the chalet and we, we, we see her go in the door and we say, okay, th- we go. We go out to the chalet. We, we didn't jump. We, we are speed walking walk. with our arms like those old women's. The butt cheeks are clenched. We are on a mission, y'all. <laughs> we are we are like, this is not okay. Like, this is, like we get there. Bathroom door locked. We sh- look at each other, shake our heads. We hear the sounds. Of someone throwing up. Ears are next to the door. Of someone's throwing up. We hear that. We hear the noises. We hear the. Uh, we hear the, the finger down the mouth. All of it. Knock. We hear. Hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> are Are you okay in there? Yeah. This is all Sadie, by the way. This that? is all Sadie. <laughs> yeah. This is me, y'all. When I'm angry or when I like. Like, especially, yeah. I am the one that gets in these crisis situations because you know, I, 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 I would have backed you down. She would have been like, hey, how are you? I would have been like, okay, whatever. No. <laughs> yeah. Bye. No. <laughs> I said, what's that sound? Daisy, respond. Hey, what's that noise? Uh, I, I farted. <laughs> <laughs> that was she the said, She said, I farted. I, say, I would I would sooner have said, I'm sorry, like anything other than I farted. I would not have said that. I, I, I farted. We all that was genuine kidding, response. We, it took everything we had on to bust out laughing. Like, and, and Sadie's so yeah. mad. <laughs> Sadie, so Sadie, like, is so mad at this point. Sadie's like, she, she's like, do you think I'm a fucking idiot? I obviously know what it sounds like when somebody's purging, okay? What, what do you think I'm going to do? And I was like, I was like, you need to tell staff because the thing about
about this is like maybe in the real world you have the time and energy to work through it with the person so that you don't have to go to their parents and be a snitch in treatment you are so overwhelmed with dealing with your own shit you don't have the patience it goes to staff is that if you knew about something and you didn't tell staff then you're liable you're liable now so you might get your ass on a plane yeah what's it called when you like accidentally witness a murder oh yeah you're an accomplice you become a freaking accomplice so so i'm like go get staff yeah i know me i literally go go get them me and our friend shoot off sadie's standing there guarding the door i'm standing there hands hips on the door she's not going anywhere me and this they go get staff are we're running like we're not even speed walking anymore we're full-on sprinting in the pitch black, like, in the Montana winter. No, up to they our knees. Sprinting. We don't have Pass shoes on. We're running. We we're banging. I mean, like like banging on the office door. Pass the chickens, the y'all. Poor staff opens. We're like, what? What? We're like, this person is purging right now. We need to go deal with it right away. The staff puts on shoes, running out there <laughs> with us. It's like everybody is all except everybody except for Sadie waiting outside on the chalet patio with their arms crossed, just waiting for the staff. Just like, and so this yeah. was our first. Strike. We have been waiting for the this story strike first strike because we know she's unhealthy and she's mm-hmm. she's negatively affecting all of us. So we have been waiting. The amount of pressure that's on you when you are worried someone's gonna like hurt exactly. themselves and it will be your fault for not noticing. Like, that's awful. So, this is the first strike. So then, what happens, like, Daisy? So, remember, guys. Beginning, they say, hey, one strike, you're out. Like, we're not going to be playing any of this. Mm-hmm. So, they take this person into the office. They're in there for, like, hours. So, bedtime is 9. Everybody's got to be in the chalet at 9. Nobody in the chalet goes to bed at 9. We go to bed at, like, 11, 12, maybe. So, it's, like, it's like 10.30. So, everybody yeah. else is awake. And we're we're standing at the door like a bunch of hungry wolves waiting for their <laughs> for the person to come in and be like, I'm getting higher care. And yeah, we're, we're, pack we're ready to start quietly. packing that shit up. All right. So then yeah. <laughs> we're gonna lend a helping hand. We're gonna load up that car that ourselves. So then so then we come in <laughs> we they come horrible. in with the staff, all right? Because because this this woman knows that she's mm-hmm. gonna have to explain to us why they're not getting sent away right now. So the staff, and, yeah, yeah, we were we were promised, promised. up and down, dude. By like, and it's not that we wanted this person to go through that. It's the emotional it takes on you when you are exactly, in charge of that person. They told us it was our job to transform them. Like, like no, dude. No. So then they come over with the staff, and this person goes upstairs immediately. And then we're sitting there like a bunch of parents when the kid comes home past curfew, looking at the staff member. Literally. And they're like, arms yeah. crossed. We're scowling, legs <laughs> over each other. Like this, this pissed. staff member. Goes, I'm in my she's in her bathrobe. I, I glasses are on. My fake tanning. <laughs> I'm in my bathrobe with my glasses and my hair up in, a, in my <laughs> bun, and I'm like, I'm like, so um, what are you gonna tell us? What? What what information do you have to share with us? And they're like, um, her therapist has been notified, and treatment team can't talk about it this week. This week, not tomorrow, not as soon. Next week, week, tomorrow, this week, this week. Again, I'm really sorry, guys. Like, I'm really sorry. And then she starts to leave, and then we're all like, actually, wait, no, you you said it was a a one strike. She's out policy. I want her out of the chalet. She's not sleeping here. She's not sleeping in the chalet. I, I refuse to have her sleep in the same room as me. And I said this out loud at this point. 
And so mm-hmm. uh, she, this person could hear me without the wear upstairs. And the staff was like, I think that you're really overreacting. And then Sadie backed me up and then the other person backed me up. And so then they had to be put on safety and sleep in the main house after that. Safety is when you are deemed physically unsafe. It should have been that way. It should have happened when someone, anytime someone purges, they are immediately on safety. For some reason, that didn't happen. Safety, you have to do with the staff 24-7, whatever. But it didn't happen for Until we demanded it. So fast forward until we demanded it fast forward a couple of months daisy and i thriving living our best lives we i'm in thailand actually at home we're living it up we're still in treatment but we're on visits and so we we come back we hear in the airport that well this person i experienced has been sent it in real time because i left the back. day that she- yeah oh God, so you I, tell the story. I, I didn't go on my home visit because thailand's one of the longer international trips so I, my home visit mm-hmm. didn't start until like a couple of days after Thailand left. Then no we fucking have way. this science teacher who is like actually knows about science. Amazing. She, and she was amazing. She did not let me get by with she any did shit. Real like school. she held me to a high standard because she knew I could. And, yeah. and just like emotionally too. Like when I was ever, I was like getting like back in patterns or I was like, like anything she would call and me out on my shit and it was the science. best thing for me love like, her to death like she just treated like yeah, she was a good school. teacher like she didn't give any like weird little mm-hmm. oh it's a treatment school thing because she didn't even know about treatment before this yeah so she did exactly. she thought it was the she public treated- school that's why she applied i was like i want to take ap's she spent her summer getting trained for that she's this is so, like an amazing freaking you'll teacher me up with thing. she recently got fired we haven't yeah. even talked about oh staff gosh. turnovers but so anyways so this woman is competent and knowledgeable in what things look like. She worked in like a nursing home or something. And she had a history with people that struggled with severe seizures. Like this was her background. She worked with people. She was in the army. Right. And then she was also so a teacher. This, like this woman has done everything. Right. So, so she had a medical background. That, uh, not the teacher, this person, the student, previous to this new teacher coming in, was regularly having what was categorized as a seizure. So she would lay on the ground and shake and like, her whole body would like vibrate and she would like cry and scream, right? So teachers had no reason to think that they were fake. So then, well, everyone was just like, oh, it's just anxiety. One teacher was like, get over yourself because this person had lost any trust. Like, like the number of times things had happened and it was like, there was no trust. At this point, people actually believed me and the stories I was telling, they were like, oh, wow, actually, Daisy, I guess she is crazy. And then I was like, thanks guys. But so- (laughs) We have these stairs on the school. So this teacher who is the science teacher, the very competent teacher, is right in front of the stairs. So the student is having a seizure, Mm -hmm. air quotes, on the stairs. And y'all, none of the adults around us were willing to admit or look this girl in the face and call her out on her bullshit. They were all playing the game. This teacher walks up to her, looks her in the eye, says, that's not a fucking seizure. I know what a seizure looks like. Get up turns around, walks into her classroom, locks the door. And we were all just like- A queen. Finally. Like drop. Like, finally. So then this teacher goes straight to her computer, typing an email in saying, these seizures are fake. This is the last straw. There's no reason this girl needs to be in this Mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. And so then a couple of days later, we don't have school because it's like vacation whenever there's a little international trips. So this person comes into um, our dinner room, which we have a group before dinner. 
and she says guys like i mm-hmm. to say um i am not getting sent to higher treatment i'm getting sent to different treatment and i laugh i'm going to a residential program huh? and so we said oh so higher care and she was like no different care different and we said where are you leaving she said tomorrow a.m the tomorrow morning at 3 a.m and so we're all celebrating inside she said so i'm gonna be doing some little like crafts downstairs if anybody wants to like have like a goodbye night with me nobody participated in this goodbye night with her at all (laughs) nobody was interested in crafts We gave her so many chances. No, we We didn't give her a chance. We gave this bitch like twenty chances, and finally they left. So, so that was a fun. That was one girl's experience in our interactions. So, if you guys want to hear more from Daisy and I, or maybe just Daisy, I'll just let her run the podcast from now on. If you want to hear more about our, I think we should do experiences, treatment experiences. I think you should just be a staple on the podcast. That'd be fun. She persisted with Sadie Sutton and sometimes (laughs) Daisy Bird Graham. But anyway, so if you guys like this episode, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to let us know. If you want to hear more from us, send me a DM on Instagram. Email me. However it is you want to get in contact. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Daisy, for coming on again. Did we talk about how we were both scared to talk about coming on this podcast again? Okay. Last story, I promise, guys. So basically... So, like, I love podcasting, but, like, not a lot of people do. Like, it, you have to talk for a long time. Like, you have to share things. It's, like, not it's not everyone's cup of tea. And so I was, like, beg Daisy to come on and share her story. I had her already on once before, but I was, like, come on. Like, it would be so good. And she's, like, yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, my God, I'd love to. And then she came on. Amazing episode. Everyone loved it. And I was so nervous to ask her again because I didn't want to be, like, my whole show is riding on you. Like, can you please come on and give me content for next week? So I was, like, okay, whatever. Like, I'll give her some time, yeah. maybe a couple months. Okay. We'll do so while this happening for Sadie, I was like, I was expecting her to text me with a schedule for when we're going to do it next week or part two, and then she like did it. So then I was like, oh, I don't yeah. want to like push her. It's her podcast. Like I don't want to be like, hey, when are you going to have me on next, buddy? <laughs> and so then I was like, I guess I'm just going to wait. <laughs> so then I, I finally, I was a little bit intoxicated the other night, and I was just like, yo, when are we going to be back on the podcast together? Like. Okay, wait, let me pull up this text because That's what I did said to not Courtney, say that. And then I, I said something different in the text. Did I say like... Daisy said... Can we do... The, she said it, she sent it with Siri. Can we do the boarding school episode soon? I've been How dying to you... talk to someone about it. <laughs> she did not say... Siri. What? It says sent with Siri. It's so fancy. Yeah. I didn't know it says that. Yeah. So anyways, I sent Daisy thank you cupcakes before this because I was just like she like that she put up with me these are long recordings y'all like i would not just put anyone through this so anyways we were both having anxiety and so this is why you got to voice your emotions because other people are going through the same thing as you so with that wholesome ending thank you daisy thank you anyone thank you courtney for coming and making it this long episode (laughs) woohoo